0: I'm going to spend some time looking at one of their better trades and one of their worst trades too um, in their franchise history. So the first trade we're going to discuss involved the Mets and the Cincinnati Reds. That um, involved Tom Seaver going from the Mets to Cincinnati. So and Hamir was going to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so... You know, Tom Seaver, uh, you know, in our prep, we discussed his career, and Tom Seaver uh, is one of the greatest pitchers of all time, mm-hmm. and maybe even, like, the best Mets pitcher of all time. If Dwight yeah. Gooden had, yeah. had a better career, maybe yeah. that wouldn't be so, but, <laughs> but I mean, Tom Seaver is such an amazing career. Like, he won five.
0: He, he had, was better than Eric Young, or yeah. what was his name? Uh, what was his name? Not Eric Young. The other Young. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> but uh, he actually, he was like a 20-game winner for five years of, in his career, which is mm-hmm. like amazing, you know. He had some amazing years where like, you know, um, just, uh, I think last, in our Hall of Fame episode, we talked about, um, you know, having some of the greatest pitching mm-hmm. years all time. And I think yeah. one of them belonged to, uh, belonged to Seaver. One, one year, he won 25 games, which mm-hmm. is like, you know... Um, which is amazing. One year his ERA plus, which is him being uh, compared to like his peers, mm-hmm. was 9 194 and, mm-hmm. and 100 is basically like average and mm-hmm. he was like almost 94% better than the average pitcher. So mm. he was like an all-star for so many years, almost um saw Young three times, rookie of the year, a bunch of times he actually got a voting for MVP, like I think like 8 or 9 times. Mm. And so the guy was just an amazing amazing pitcher. And for whatever reason, the Mets decided to trade him away to Cincinnati for possibly, you know, four players. And, and this, you know, and the consensus between uh, uh, Scott and I is that this was a poor trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, let's just go through some of the players that, that they got. They got Doug Flynn, who was um, a second baseman, like, kind of like a middle infielder. And at the time, back in the day... You know, he was like a, he would hit about one home run, bat 230, probably a good defensive mm-hmm. guy. Uh, all glove, no hit. Yeah. They also got like an outfielder, Steve Henderson, who ended up playing for the A's later on. Mm-hmm. But he was actually not too bad a player. He, you know, his rookie year, he almost won the rookie year. He came in second. He had 12 home runs, 297. Mm-hmm. Overall for the Mets, you know, he ended up kind of batting .280, .287. His average for his career, about 10 home runs, 64 RBI. Mm -hmm. And then they had another guy, a pinch hitter, Dan Norman, who was just a pinch hitter. Mm -hmm. Not bad. And then they also got uh, Pat Zarski who was the rookie of the year in 1976 and with the mess became became an Mm all-star. Of course, Tom Seaver went on to have, like, you know, an amazing career obviously he had an amazing career with the Mets but he even had more amazing yeah uh, years and uh, so I mean it was basically a really bad trade and mm-hmm. uh, not a really bad trade I mean you could see why the Mets would do it uh, probably because they couldn't you know they didn't feel like they were going to win that year and it was the middle of his career perhaps he was going to you know, sign a contract you know free agency was new so right. the Mets yeah. probably didn't want to deal with that and um and so, yeah, he ended up pitching really well for them. Cincinnati probably averaged about 15 to, yeah, about 15 wins a year, you know. Mm-hmm. Year in, he out, one of the best pitchers. And almost won the Cy Young. He got to Cy number two voting. He was second in Cy Young voting in 1981. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was not the best trade for them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear about um, potentially a big market team like the Mets in New York kind of being concerned about not being able to keep um, um, a potential expensive free agent and to make a trade like that. And I think in today's uh, Major League Baseball, it's kind of hard with all the – there is the Internet and there's a lot more sports talk radio than, than, than there used to be. Um, back then, there was no Major League Baseball trade history podcast. Yeah. So like there's a lot more like pundits. People could talk about this. And, How do they
1: manage? Yeah. Oh, my God. No yeah. MLB trade yeah. history. That's wow.
0: right. Yeah, that's right. So uh, <laughs> I think that oftentimes there are owners and GMs and you know um, other upper management that feel pressured to make kind of something they may think is kind of potentially financially harmful deal for them, or they're a little bit more afraid to take that risk. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting to hear that. And, you know, if you look today, even though the Mets haven't had much success in recent times, um, they're looked at as this big market team, and the Reds are not. In fact, you know, as we speak, Amir, uh, the Reds are looking at the trade, and they have made some trades. Like Matt Latos, they traded earlier this offseason, but I, I do recall you've talked about baseball cards on occasion on, on here. And, you know, I have been a card collector a long time, or I was not not for a long time, but um, I haven't collected in a while. But I used to. Mm-hmm. And growing up, there were like a core of about five to ten guys that my friends and I loved collecting. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, among them was Tom Seaver, and he's someone who had that great you know, in his lineup, his like left knee would end up near the, their ground and you know, it just was something that, like oftentimes, my friends and I would like pitchers because of their wind ups you know back then there mm-hmm. weren't like any like submarine left handers like there is mm-hmm. now but there were quite a few right handed submarine pitch- pitchers and we often liked them just because of the wind ups we never mm-hmm. looked at the statistics and everything yeah. so um, it was about this more stuff beyond the numbers you know um, more like vanity or whatever so <laughs> And Seaver had that piece with his windup, and you know, you and I were prepping before this recording, um, talking about him, and you know, we mentioned Randy Johnson as part of the Hall of Fame podcast, mm-hmm. and because um, Randy Johnson had a high uh, percentage p- percentage of Hall of Fame votes, and mm-hmm. Tom Seaver, I, for a long time, had a very high, you know, Hall of Fame percentage um, mm-hmm. to get voted in by the writers, and. It, it is something for someone like Tom Seaver and you know Willie Mays and you know Babe Ruth. I mean, who, there's never been a hundred percent, but and Tom Seaver, you know Tom, terrific, right? He's he's someone who is really just well liked in baseball too. Mm-hmm. So it, it just worked out really well for for the Cincinnati in that trade, and you know for a long time the Mets, you know, didn't really go far mm-hmm. um, until what. About seven, eight, nine, ten years later. Oh they, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Mookie Wilson, Bill Buckner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, what's well, So funny you mentioned. Uh, you know, just on a side note, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Seaver was on that Boston team that Bill Buckner you uh, know, yeah. bought. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. He would have won a World Series against his own team, although he never played in the playoffs. There, I'm not sure yeah. what that could be. He might have gotten injured or was ineffective, or maybe he was traded, like, after September. Like, he didn't have eligibility, but he was on that team.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. Bill Buckner cost him a ring.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that jerk. Yeah. Uh, that joke Was <laughs> <laughs> that, that a Boston Mac? I don't know. There guess. you go. Um, but, uh, Close enough. No, nope. yeah.
0: oops. <laughs>
1: so now we're going to talk about, a, you know, Mets fans, you you, know, you guys out there. Uh, we're going to talk about a good trade that you guys had. Yeah, have, the East, there
0: you
1: A go. steal for the yeah. Mets. Yeah. And that was... Uh, uh, my fit one of my favorite players, actually, you, you know, we would oftentimes, outside of the podcast, uh, yeah. Scott and I, we talk about who are our all-time teams, yeah. and for a long time, until, you know, Buster Posey, I'm a Giants fan, <laughs> for a long time, Gary Carter was my all-time catcher, like, that was, uh-huh. if I had to pick, like, an all-time team for myself, mm-hmm. Gary Carter was my favorite catcher, and so, the Mets, in 1984, pulled off, like, an amazing trade with the Expos, who... At the time, seemed to be the team that supplied everybody else with the great players, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they they traded uh Hubie Brooks, Mike Fitzgerald, Herm Winningham, and Floyd Yeomans for um, for Gary Carter, who yeah. you know was an All Star at the time and actually mm-hmm. had some really great years. And yeah, I mean, I, I you know just just looking at his numbers, you know, the guy was. Uh, had 324 home runs, uh, really great, at the time, Mm -hmm. at the time, those numbers were, uh, were great for home runs, nowadays with the steroids era and everything, it doesn't (laughs) look that good, but Mm -hmm. for a catcher, it was amazing, Uh, he had 100 RBIs a few times, all-star like 10, 11 years, maybe 12 years, Uh Uh, so the guy was a great player, and. Of course, he won a World Series in '86 with the Mets, mm-hmm. and definitely a shoe-in Hall of Famer when he went in. And uh, he played one year with the Giants, so uh, that made me. That's happy. right. That's right. Um, and ended up his career with Montreal, mm-hmm. so that was kind of a cool thing.
0: It was a pretty memorable uh, final at bat with uh, his original team when he, you know, when he, it was announced he was going to retire mm-hmm. and. Uh, Very emotional. One thing I liked a lot about Gary Carter is he was not afraid to show his emotions. And he he was really... I mean, whether you have, like, a... a, You know, you believe in, like, a a religion or whatever or not, he was something that was really open about that, too. Um, And I do remember... um, at Candlestick Park, so
1: he was a Satan worshipper. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> he loved. I mean, every night he'd pray to Bill Buckner. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was really something. Well, <laughs> so, well
1: it worked because in eighty-six Bill yeah. Buckner made well, that's,
0: it for that, that, that was his reward, yeah. right? So, yeah, <laughs> so um, you know, Gary Carter, Carter, you mentioned the All-Star appearances, and one of those occurred in Candlestick Park, and I remember watching that game like I did, you know, all the All-Star games back then mm-hmm. on TV, and he had a home run in that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Bill, um, Gary Carter, I always thought was more worthy of the Hall of Fame than Carlton Fisk. And this can start a debate here if you yeah. guys want to email us, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think Fisk has, you know, the whole kind of Red Sox, you know, history and, and you know, the home run and everything. We're at. And also the record, too, for the most games mm-hmm. as a catcher. Whereas Gary Carter, I just, it's like that you know that you see a Hall of Famer you know a Hall of Famer when you see one and I always got that from Gary Carter I didn't always get that with Carlton Fisk Mm -hmm. so I was a little bit shocked when there was some debate as to whether or not Gary Carter would even make the Hall of Famer Mm -hmm. if he was worthy and on the flip side with Carlton Carlton Fisk with all the kind of shoe-in talk at the Mm -hmm. time I was kind of surprised by that any thoughts on Gary Carter as a Hall of Famer?
1: I mean, he's definitely a shoeing. I was very happy to see him mm-hmm. go in. I mean, as far as the Carlton Fisk, I do think they're very comparable. Mm-hmm. I think the main difference between Carter and Fisk, I mean, uh, yeah, Carter mm-hmm. and Fisk is that the Carl, Fisk had like a, his career was a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and I think that matters for catchers, like right. because and so that's why I think he might have been. I would even. Even though Gary Carter was my favorite catcher, mm-hmm. probably, you know if you' put a major league team together, mm-hmm. I would still say that like Carlton Fisk probably had a better overall career right I mean, he I think when he retired, he had the most home runs by a catcher ever, which mm-hmm. you know it's longevity, but at the same right. time, the catching position is really uh demanding on your body and so yeah. and, and Fisk was able to be. You know, offensively productive, and even mm. defensively and managing pitching productive late right. I think his last year, like his mm. last couple. So, I would I would put Fisk a little bit higher on as far as like who's a better player. Mm-hmm. But like, if I had to pick one guy with the best year, yeah. Like, I guess the, here's a debate that we usually have, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's is it your total career or is it like were you more dominant? Who was more dominating at a shorter period of time? Right, right. So Carter was more had a more dominant season. Like he mm-hmm. he was absolutely. If you put like a maybe like a six year chunk, mm-hmm. out, you take a six year chunk out of Carter's career, mm-hmm. and you take the best six years and you compare the best Carl Fisk years, mm. Carter would win hands, hands down. down. Yep. But in terms of longevity, mm-hmm. I feel like Fisk would be it. So. Mm.
0: Hands down and the and fastball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that... Two
1: fingers down.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, I think that is a good point. And it, it is um, a decent argument, I think, that, that can be had like, as to what's more important. And also the longevity question. I mean, even... Um, you know, there have been some great catchers who, you know, Yogi Berra and um, Johnny Bench, who did not end their, their careers as catchers. I mean, it really takes a toll. And when you see someone like, you know, with the Royals, like Salvador Perez, pitch catch all those games, mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of hope they don't pay for it at the end uh, in yeah. future years, or even, God forbid, the Royals make the World Series, yeah. even though he did well. But yeah. um, even now, like, you know, Buster Posey is considered one of the best catchers overall in baseball. Um, But there's a lot of talk to kind of move him to first base, third base, left field, shortstop, you know, other. I think when you have catchers who are good offensively, Mm -hmm. you don't really see this at any other position. I mean, there have been like, you know, I don't know, it's rare, like, if a guy is a great hitting pitcher. Like, they're not going to move Bumgarner, right? Yeah. He's a great hitter, but he's a great pitcher, too. not a good analogy, but mm-hmm. you know, it's usually the catcher they're talking about because yeah. you get the foul tips and you get right. the, the crouching down, you know, and yeah. you know, it's, it's it really takes a toll.
1: I mean, that's a great point. Here's the thing about catchers. It's so crazy because I have this this theory that, like, the less – A catcher plays Mm. the worse it is for them because Mm. like one of the you know the Giants catchers usually have had a lot of problems with concussions yeah and it's a lot of it has to do like in particular Sanchez yeah and and sometimes Posey too he gets it and I think Mike Mike, Matheny Mike Matheny yeah yeah. Yeah. and I think the fear is that like the less a catcher plays the Mm. less they know how to catch a ball like Uh, if there's a foul tip or what to do when there's a foul tip yeah and so it's really detrimental to their career. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when you have a catcher who is so offensively superior to other catchers, mm-hmm. that's a huge advantage to your team. Yeah. That means that you might have to spend less money on maybe getting an outfielder, or you can concentrate mm-hmm. on spending that money on getting like some extra relievers that mm-hmm. might end up helping you in the playoffs, which is, you know, it's been a big benefit for the Giants to mm-hmm. have Posey because they can use that extra whatever money they would be spending on mm-hmm. additional players on what really matters in the playoffs, which is like they spend a lot of money. Their right. relievers get paid a lot of money, you yep. know. Their yep. starters get paid a lot of money. Now, you know, some of them have been bad choices, but that's yeah. besides the point. But I mean ah. but catching wise, like I think like it's such a huge asset to mm-hmm. have like a great offensive catcher. Whereas in you know and uh, that's why, you know, Gary Carter was such mm-hmm. a huge deal. The funny thing is like I don't remember hearing anything about him during the World Series, like I mean, I haven't really, yeah. I didn't really watch it back then, but yeah. I don't think he necessarily did anything in the playoffs. He might have, but
0: yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I remember watching that World Series on TV. It's the greatest of all time in, in my book. Um, I don't specifically remember any contributions on his end or a mm-hmm. big number of contributions. I may just be blanking here, mm-hmm. but it is interesting about kind of like the experience behind the plate and all that. It, it It's reminiscent of the argument about how much should a starting pitcher pitch between starts or innings pitched in a game or in a season, that yeah. whole argument. There's, there's schools of thoughts on both ends of that. So, yeah, I mean, good, bad, good and bad on both ends, yeah. so...
1: And just a little bit about the players that they got mm-hmm. uh, that Montreal got for him. Mm-hmm. Hubie Brooks was actually a really good player. He yeah. became an All Star a couple of times, and he was uh, he actually even got like an uh, MVP voting at some point.
0: And also a great name,
1: Hubie. Yeah. I
0: love Brooks. Yeah, Hubie. <laughs> great name.
1: And he, he played shortstop and third base, which is really interesting. So those mm-hmm. numbers that he had, I think mean, he batted at 341. So mm-hmm. they're really, like, those are really good numbers. So yeah. he was a good player. Mm-hmm. They also got Mike Fitzgerald, who was a backup catcher for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. And he had okay years. His average was about nine home runs and batted at 230. It's, actually, he probably started too, so it wasn't he didn't have yeah. a bad career. And then they got um, Herm Winningham, who was... Uh, like, a, just a pinch hitter, kind of like a backup outfielder, mm-hmm. spot starter. and
0: Fourth or fifth outfielder for yeah. a long time, yeah.
1: And then Yeomans was a good pitcher. Like, he actually had a really good year once. Um,
0: Yeomans duty.
1: Yep. Got, <laughs> he won 13 games, you know, pitched about 220 innings. So, yeah. you know, all in all, I think at the time, uh, they probably had a fire sale. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. they needed some players that... Yeah, Expos didn't have money. That that, that yeah. those are the, that was the original like the original Royals. fire sale. Yeah, yeah those are original poor teams. You know? It's
0: like when uh, Felipe Alou was the manager. They had the fire sale then. Back then, that was like the spark to yeah. the the beginning the the fire sale trend and. You know, shortly after that, I think it wasn't Andre Dawson traded like a year later, yeah. and you know, about two or three years later, Tim Raines was traded, so it was kind of the beginning of that before they traded Randy Johnson to get a veteran, but that's a whole yeah. other podcast that we yeah. may do. Oh, oh we yeah. did do it, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. But, uh,
1: but yeah, so I mean, these are, you know, Mets are our are, uh, are, are fun team to See, you know, they've had a lot of great things that they traded another guy, uh, Nolan Ryan. There you go, for Jim Fergusi. That was an interesting one. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. Yeah, talk about Nolan Ryan.
0: There we we go. We gotta do a show on on all the Hall of Famers, including Nolan Ryan. Yeah, but yeah, yeah,
1: thanks so much for listening. Thank
0: you, thank you, Amir.